Good evening. Today is September 6th, 2022. Okay, I'm my way. And we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is, let me know. Appendix two. Oh, Appendix two, a spiritual experience. And our speaker tonight is Dan Kay. Thank you, Dan Kay. Great. So I just start talking, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Dan. I'm a recovering anorexic. So we don't read and then share. Okay. So, all right. Well, I guess I'll just share and see where that leads. Um, <laughs> again, I'm Dan. I'm a recovering anorexic. I want to thank Francesca for asking me to come and share tonight. It's good to be here. I appreciate the focus of this meeting. Um, I came to OA a really long time ago. I got abstinent a really long time ago. I'm very grateful for my abstinence. I came to OA in 1995. I got abstinent nine months later. Um, it's hard to put into words, 20 minutes, you know, the, the depth of what that path has meant to me. And But OA really did save my life. And I'm so grateful that we choose our own perception of higher power in this program. I was raised in a religious cult and grew up with incredible abuse in my family. And I really know that I would not have been able to recover if there was a perception of a higher power that was imposed on the group. Um, because I was, I'm recovering from that. I'm recovering from that. Um, but I will say, you know, whenever I think about my anorexia, you know, anorexia really did and does mirror the abuse and crazy spiritual, if you want to call it that, spiritual stuff that I grew up with. Um, so... Uh, and I'll get to I'll get to some of that. And I also just want to say, you know, something that I've learned about anorexia, and I say this to when it's when I'm sharing in a, a meeting that is not an anorexic or bulimic focused meeting, that uh, you know, I've really come to see when I hear compulsive readers, I've heard compulsive readers in a way talk about how their their food obsession and their weight was their way of disappearing and hiding from the world, not being seen. I've heard compulsive readers talk about how their weight and their food obsession kept people and life at bay. I've heard about women who come to OA and pick up the tools and men who pick up the tools and, and um, lose weight really quickly. My friend Margot talks about how she lost, I think all of her weight and more in the first six months of program. And she said that, she, never, never forget her words, she said that she didn't have the, spiritual muscle to handle that level of exposure and when she told me that story I, I that's when I really got that like for Margot her disappearance was behind weight and food obsession and a relationship a sick relationship with food and my disappearing act was into smallness as an anorexic I disappear into smallness 
I disappear into nothingness. I disappear into um, being above my human needs and reality. And that really connects to what it was like for me. You know, like I said, I grew up in a religious cult. I had to, I came to LA five years before I got abstinent and then came back again. And a lot of that time was dealing with the effects of that uh, cult upbringing. And I really believed in my, you know, my, my anorexia really did mirror that those really sick beliefs that I grew up with that, you know, self-denial is spiritual, human appetites are bad. If you want to be pure, deny your human appetites, deny yourself. So, you know, my bottom in anorexia at 25, you know, I, I just, I was still eating what I thought was three meals a day. I remember eating six almonds for breakfast thinking it was too much, thinking that the fat grams were bad. I'm 6'5", I got down to be 125 pounds, my hair was falling out, my heart was about to stop. And I truly believed I was eating too much food because the feelings, I felt full after I ate. I felt stuffed after I ate. I felt guilty. I felt so guilty. And I didn't starve myself. I didn't even know I was starving myself. I thought I was just being spiritual. I was living a monastic life. I always said that my anorexia is a life disorder. It's not a food disorder. Um, you know, that meant no sex. That meant no fun. Um, I tell the same stories in my share. If some of you have heard them, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I tell kind of the most dramatic animated moments in my anorexia. Um, Thank you. I remember driving down Sunset Boulevard. You know, I live in Los Angeles and like there's like a big billboard of a like naked guy up on the billboard in his underwear. And of course, like I like start squeezing my steering wheel to force myself not to look because in my mind that was like that made me feel out of control and it made me feel human. And it, it took me out of my anorexic buzz of fantasy that I was above my human desires and needs. Um, a friend of mine years ago before abstinence, right before abstinence invited me to an amusement park and I walked up to her. Um, sorry about that, I'll turn my phone off. Um, I walked up to her really close to her face and said, she invited me to Magic Mountain I said, I don't believe in fun. And I walked away and I felt victorious, like I had conquered the human desire for pleasure. You know, like Magic Mountain is lollipops and funnel cakes and roller coasters and and you know, buying cheap souvenirs, little trinkets that I don't need. And I'm I'm too spiritual for that. And you know, I meditated for an hour and a half a day. Um and I was just getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And it wasn't until my Eskimo, my friend Lonnie, who worked with me in a restaurant, we were both waiters. She came up to me and she said, I think what happened was I had finally let myself eat this like sandwich that I was dying to eat. And I like scarfed it down really quickly. And I went up to her and I said, Lonnie, I just went on a binge. I just binged. I'm a binger. I had all the OA lingo. I don't stuff my feelings with food. I don't want to use food emotionally. 
And I said, I just went on a binge. And she said, Dan, you did not just go on a binge. And I think you're about to die from anorexia. And I got defensive. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not anorexic. I have a food problem. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an overeater. I'm a compulsive overeater. And she said, no. And I said, I don't want to eat because eating takes me out of my feelings. I had all of your language, you see. I had been in OA before, and I was good at it. I was so good at it. And she said, actually, you know what, Dan? Food puts you in your body, and food grounds you. And something about that, I was already in OA. I was working the steps with a sponsor, a very sick sponsor. I was very sick. We were a perfect match for each other. And... Something about that conversation, what I was able to hear was I heard the word anorexia and I had this moment. It was just this little break in the door. And that moment was maybe the problem is not the food. Maybe the problem is the guilt I feel around the food. And that little break in the door, that crack in the doorway, I got abstinent that night or that day or that evening, however it happened. And I put on 50 pounds, 55 pounds in two months. I went from 125 pounds, I'm 6'5", that's the weight of my skeleton, to like, you know, 180 or something around there. And what ensued was everything they say in a way. If you want to find out why you're eating or not eating or barfing or doing ever whatever, or coffee enemas, I knew someone who was addicted to coffee enemas. Whatever you're doing, stop doing it, honey, and you're going to find out why you're doing it. And that's exactly what happened to me. Before that, when I my weight came back on, I started eating three balanced meals a day with less restriction. I started eating oil, started eating carbohydrates, I started eating animal protein. I had gone vegan, I had gone pescatarian, I had gone every possible Los Angeles food remedy, and none of it took away my guilt. I used to hear in OA that compulsive readers would talk about they had a hole inside of themselves and no amount of food would fill that hole. And I, as a good anorexic little boy, I'm an anorexic good boy, that's my compulsion. I pretended I agreed, but I don't really, that's not my thing. What my version of that saying or that idea is I have a never ending hole of guilt inside of me and no amount of self-denial no amount of perfect food, no amount of perfect eating, no amount of, 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 um, of celibacy, no amount of not shopping for six years, no amount of getting rid of televisions like I did, I watched TV for 10 years, no amount of monastic living will take away that guilt. The only way I can recover from anorexia nervosa is to do what makes me feel guilty and walk through it. That's that means, thank you, that means having sex with people. That means going shopping. That means eating food that scares me. That means um, being kinder to myself and not making myself exercise every day of my life. I've had to walk through my anorexic guilt to recover from it. And I have, and I do, and I have a great life because of it. So anyway, back to the story. The story is that, you know, I started eating and before I started eating, I just thought I was a weird guy who had a, a nice life Everything was fine. I just had a food problem. And what happened was when I started eating, I realized, oh my gosh, that isn't true. And suddenly I had to start to face pain that I didn't even know existed. 
before that time, I would have told you my family upbringing was just perfect. I didn't have a problem with my family. I started to have to come out of denial about that, which was has been very painful. I remember a couple days, three or four days into abstinence, calling my friend Daryl and talking to her and ending up on the floor in the fetal position, crying so hard that my sides hurt. And her asking me why I was crying. And I said, I don't know. I don't have the answer. And that was terrifying to have that amount of emotion and not understand what it was about. And I'll never forget. She just very lovingly said, well, we're going to find out why. We're going to find out. And then she very lovingly said, there's a reason you have anorexia. And we're going to find out why. And that, uh, those early experiences and a lot of others, you know, people in a way, I, I saw other people risking getting honest about their lives in a way. And that gave me the courage and permission and ability to start to do the same thing. And, you know, they say, oh, it's a spiritual program. And I, I agree with that, but I've had experiences with other types of spirituality that isn't really spiritual. So for me, the reason why OA is so valuable and important is because the spirituality that I find in OA is about being real and letting people see who I really am. And it's about being connected to other people. Spirituality that is about separating myself from others, not letting people see who I am, not getting real about the honest facts of my life. That to me isn't spirituality. That to me takes me to the self-denial of anorexia. And I remember coming to Serenity Sunday when I first came back to OA in 1995. And, you know, I was doing the meditation groups. I was going to the yoga places and the gurus and the the, there was a mushroom going around Los Angeles at one point. Does anyone remember the magic mushroom in the 90s? It was like a mushroom and you clipped it off and gave it to your friends and you drank the water from the mushroom and it was supposed to like purify you. I mean, I, I'm from Los Angeles. I've done it all. And like, I remember going to Serenity Sunday and what I saw there blew my mind. And I don't even know if I had words for it, but what I saw was people who stood in themselves without apology. They looked at people in the eye and they shared their truth with other people and they did not apologize. They owned who they were, they knew who they were, and they stood in their own light. And that is what I wanted. That is why I kept coming back. That's what I didn't have. I could meditate all day long and I still couldn't go on a date. And I still, I remember before recovery, I would call people on, this is a real good example of my anorexia. I would call people on the phone and this was back in the days of answering machines. And the, you know, I'm severely underweight. I'm sexless, I'm sexless, I'm emotionless. I think all material goods are evil. I would call somebody on the phone and the sound of my own voice would elicit such shame. The sound of the voice, my voice coming into my receiver would elicit such shame that I would start to stutter and I would have to hang up the phone. Like I felt that guilty for existing. And that is another way that I describe my anorexia. It's about being feeling guilty for taking up space and existing. 
And my recovery has ultimately been finding out where that comes from and doing the work to walk through it and heal it. And I know that that can get a little controversial. You know, I when the when the literature says, thank you, I have five minutes left. Yeah. Five minutes left. Thank you. Um, I know the literature says, you know, we believe that the reasons for the illness are unimportant. And I, I understand for me what that means. That means that I can want to go to anorexia when things are good. I can want to go to anorexia when things are not good. I can go to anorexia because I'm an anorexic. And sometimes the reasons don't matter. But the big book also does talk about seeking out the true causes and conditions of our disease. I was not born anorexic. I picked up anorexia to survive an impossible situation. I picked up anorexia, I'll tell you, to, to, to survive the dilemma. For me, this was the dilemma. If I'm truly myself and my family, let's say, how can I say this? My dilemma is, was I have to choose myself or my, my mother and father are highly abusive people. They were, high, they were really abused as children. They didn't get help. And my bind that I found myself in in my life was if I own myself, I lose my family. And if, I, if I'm with my family, I lose myself. My parents are members of a homophobic, chauvinistic, racist, anti-Semitic religious cult. They put that above their own children. The pain of having to face that choice is why I picked up anorexia. My anorexia helped me both survive that and stay loyal to it at the same time. My anorexia helped me stay on the fence where I didn't die completely, but I wasn't alive either. I've heard people talk about anorexia like a little suicide every day, just a little bit. Not enough to kill me, but enough to kill me, but not enough to kill me but enough to kill me, but not enough to kill me. And that like waffling between life and death. And though that's real, I didn't make that happen. I didn't choose that. And letting myself off the hook for finding myself in that position as a young adult is a big part of my recovery. And that's what I mean when I say, I let, I, I have compassion for my parents. I have compassion for what they went through as children. And I also don't take responsibility for their choices and what they did to our family. I let them be responsible. And that ability to no longer carry the weight of that which I did not cause is at the core of my recovery. That gives me the ability to claim my appetite and own my weight on this planet. I'm 6'5", I weigh 196 pounds today. I celebrate my weight every day. I celebrate my appetite every day. I own and satisfy all my human appetites and desires. My life is bigger and better than I could have ever dreamed. My life is beyond my wildest dreams. It really, really is. I'm not just saying that to get you to come back. My life is better than I ever could have planned for myself. Is that two minutes left? Two more. Thank yeah. you so much. And it's, you know, this, this path of get honest, look within, tell the truth, make amends where I need to, and live a great life. Like that is how I kind of encapsulate the steps, you know, own the truth about my disease, 
own the truth about where I'm at and who I am, own the truth about what has happened, and then do my part with the help of a higher power and support to move beyond it. I know I was taught in the abusive home that I grew up in what I call abusive love, which is the intertwining of love and danger, where love is dangerous. And OA taught me what real love is. OA taught me what available love is. And now I have that in my life. I have available loving friends. I'm an available loving husband. I'm not attracted to danger in my marriage. I'm not attracted to danger with my friends. And I live the life beyond what I was programmed to live, 100%. I've had therapists tell me, you're lucky to be alive. They're not talking about anorexia. They're talking about what I was programmed to live growing up in a highly abusive household. And I know it's the transgenerational pattern of abuse. My parents abused their kids because they were abused. And their parents abused my parents because they were abused. And it kept, I, I, I absolutely believe that. And this program and this path of recovery has given me the opportunity to step out of it and stop the cycle. And I have the life to show for it. I really, really do. And today I'll wrap it up. Thank you. I'll wrap it up with this and just saying today I keep coming back because my life is so good. I need a higher power to help me let it in every single day. Left to my own anorexic devices, things get too good, things get too big. I want to cut a little bit off. I keep coming back so that I can keep letting in this big, beautiful, expansive life that my higher power wants for me. And it keeps getting bigger. So um, thanks so much. I'm so glad I'm here. And thanks again for letting me share tonight. Wow. Thank you, Dan Kay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hmm. Okay, so... Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing in questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And away we go. So the host picks, I'm not picking people, right? The, the leader okay. is going to call them in. Okay. Wenise, you call people in, I unmute them. Oh, okay. Well, the first one I see is Miss Amy B. Thank you, Amy B, Compulsive Overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state today. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Juanice, for your service tonight. Thank you, um, everyone doing service at this meeting. And especially thank you, Dan Kay, for your service tonight. That was um honest and impactful. And I actually have a question for you tonight. Having been um, raised in a religious cult and then coming into a program of spiritual recovery, um, 
how did you how did you choose your own conception of God? How did you reconcile that? How did you because you talked a lot about your higher power? Um, if you would just speak to that a little bit, thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Dan, recovering anorexic. I. It's a really good question. So when I I came to OA actually in 1990, I kind of zoomed by that in the interest of time, and I wasn't ready to face anorexia. I wasn't ready to face anything truthful in my life yet. And one of the things is I, I was just fresh out of the cold and I did need those five years. I really believe I got absolute the day I was ready. I needed those five years to start to unhook from that. And so I kind of went down the process and I joked about LA and the spiritual world here, but it really helped me actually. You know, I got into kind of the new age spiritual thing. And while my, my anorexia kind of blended with it and it, in some ways it was negative it also did help me unhook from the religious cult and then once i was in a way i did everything people said which is people especially back then were really like you know you choose your own conception you if you need to write a want ad which i did a couple of times if you need to write a want ad for a higher power and you get to list what that higher power is and what their properties are and and today I have a very clear perception of higher power. And there was a time when I had to say to my sponsor, I used to say my real higher power, because that was my way of saying not the higher power of my anorexia, because my higher power of my anorexia was, oh, you ate three corn chips too many. You just went on a binge. You're starting over. Like I had this anorexic God in my head and I had to use words. I used to say, like, for four years, I would say, I would call my higher power, my, my sponsor and say, I'm turning this over to my real higher power. And today, you know, I have a very clear perception and the higher power is both male and female and maybe trans and just very open and very loving. And I, I see my higher power reflected in the world, the touchable sea of the world around me. And there's also mystery. So anyway, I've done a lot of that work that OA supports and program supports, which is find your higher power. This is not a cult. My higher power leads me to who I really am and cults take me from who I really am. This is not a cult. Wow, thank you. Okay, next we have on the list here, Jen DC. Hey, I'm Jen. I'm a compulsive overeater. Really very grateful to be here to, tonight, Dan, Dan from LA. Um, I have to say that was one of the most profound, honest, open, enlightening shares that I've ever heard. And I've been around OA for a long time. And especially to hear it from someone who's coming from sort of the other side of um like my experience is morbid obesity, but but when you talk about flirting with danger and living on that edge of danger, I can I can relate to so much of what you said. And it brought up some really profound topics for me. I'll try to maybe wedge it into a question because um, I'd love to hear. And that is semantics and the meaning behind what we say in OA you know, um, certain phrases that get tossed out a lot, you know, it doesn't matter why I'm a compulsive overeater, you know, just the things you talked about, these things have always struck me, not in I'm looking for something that I don't agree with. Um, but I do sometimes find myself frustrated um, by some of the, 
way things, the, the semantics and the lingo and things that come in and out, some of the fads in OA, some of the, now it's cool to say this, now it's cool to say that. I just think uh, eating disorders as a former drug addict are, are, are tricky, you know? And so one of the things like, I, I don't think food is bad. <laughs> like when I, when I'm at my best, I'm enjoying and eating real food, you know, like actual food, you know? Um, so that is the topic. I, I'm just throwing it out there and see if you have any response. Real quickly, um, uh, one thing that comes to mind for me is I had to really face, and I share this with my sponsees, what is my true surrender? Because everybody, we all doing it differently here. You know, I've heard people say, what's one person's abstinence will kill somebody else. And for me, the way I get to my real recovery is what is my true surrender? What is my, I call it my, oh my God, are you kidding me? Oh my God, are you kidding me? I have to do that? Like, that's when I know it's right for me. It is not a surrender for me to have red light, red light foods. It is not a surrender for me to call in my food and be like, I'm done eating now, I'm not eating anymore. Like, that is not a, I love doing that. I love giving up sugar. I wanna give up sugar every day of my life. It's a party. I love the pure feeling. And so anyway, my point is, is like that question, what is the thing that is that I know deep down is my surrender? Recovery is a process of surrender. What makes me truly rely on a higher power? And that helps me. And then in terms of the stuff that I hear that, you know, the take what I like and leave the rest thing is so, I went, I'll quickly say this. I went to a meeting once and there was a woman there, bless her, she was very, her lips were very tight. And I remember her saying, we say, take what you like and leave the rest, but that does not apply to the literature. She said it just like that, the literature. And I remember thinking, actually, yeah, it does. It really does. It applies to whatever you want it to apply to. We take what we like and leave the rest for all of it. If you want to come to one meeting a year and work no steps, that's your program. And you get to do that. That is your choice. And that empowerment that it really is up to me to find my spiritual path. No one will give it to me. That is what makes this not a cult. So you, I really, not only do I get to take what I like and leave the rest, I have to, if I'm to find my true recovery. I always wanted someone to tell me what to do and give me the rules. I'm good at following rules. I'll fill out the forms, I'll fill out the binders, I'll read the books and I'll do the homework. And that is me practicing anorexia. So it's about, this is a program of self-empowerment as far as I'm concerned. Okay, next we have, uh, thank you, Dan. Next we have Erica R. Hi everyone, um, Erica Compulsive Overeater. Um, Dan, I'm looking for you, I can't find you, but um, Wow. Like just, oh my gosh, I almost missed this meeting because my, my oldest daughter wasn't going to bed. And I'm so glad that I didn't because your share was just so, ugh, it was just so like important for me to hear. I'm very grateful for you. And thank you for taking the journey you've been taking, you know, um, I'm newly abstinent. So a few weeks in and like definitely when you talked about like crying and not knowing why, and like, that's why I've been afraid to like 
put the food and the behaviors down because I'm like, I know it's coming, (laughs) you know, and I don't know why, you know, but I'm getting a better idea now because, um, I'm in the like process of writing my fourth step. So, you know, I'm getting down to those root causes and conditions and, and I, and I side with you on that. I really think there, there is stuff that I'm stuffing. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, like it's time to get honest, you know, it's like getting honest about my life and moving forward with my life. And, and what is that going to look like for me? And I'm not really sure yet. And I think that, you know, another thing I heard from your share that is really helpful for me is like, it's okay if I don't know that yet. Like, this is like a process, you know, and you talked about how you came to away and then you left and then you got abstinent, you know, after you were here nine months. And a lot of what's kept me out there is the idea that if I can't do this perfectly, well, why should I even bother? And I know that that's a disease, right? But it's, it's a disease and it's really strong, you know? Um, so yeah, so it's just like, I'm exactly where I needed to be tonight. I, I just can't say thank you enough. And, uh, you know, I remember in, from those things from the nineties too, I'm from the East coast, but I remember hearing about that. So that was a little laugh too. And I appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. Thanks. Next is Betty, Betty S. Hi, everybody. I'm Betty S., recovered compulsive overeater from Florida, originally Chicago. Dan, thank you, everyone who's done service to bring this meeting tonight. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to, I've heard you before, and I'm so grateful I got on tonight to this meeting because um, it, there's so many things I can relate to. Um, you know, you your testimony to this program shows that miracles really do happen. To me, that's what it shows me. And it shows me how strong this higher power can be. I mean, to go from A to Z in a change in life is amazing. And that's what this has done for you. And that's what's doing for so many of us. The one thing that really stuck out to me was how you, how you dealt with and, and what your solution was growing up in, the, in such an environment, such a, an abusive family, it was, and it was not eating, it was being perfect. And, you know, I came to see that um, my disease started as a little girl and I had to do it because I wasn't acceptable as an emotional little person. And I wasn't acceptable as an emotional older person, older girl. So the only way I was acceptable is if, is if I can control it with food and not be that little girl. And now I'm finding out as a woman, there's a whole different person in me. I don't have to follow those old rules anymore. I don't have to follow those old traditions and roles that I grew up with. And I came from a loving family, but the, the roles were just screwed up. I'm finding that out more and more. And it doesn't work for me anymore. So I am so grateful now, finally, after a gazillion years in program, I've woken up. I feel like I've just woken up. And that's what I hear in you. I hear this huge awakening to who am I really? Who am? Who is the authentic person within me? And who is the person that my higher power wants me to be? 
not my mother, my father, my children, my grandchildren, my husband, nobody. Just who, who, what am I here for? What am I meant to be? What type of person? And you know, I'm not such a bad person after all. And I'm starting to appreciate that. And I'm not putting that, pushing that down with the food because it's okay to just be the authentic person that I am becoming. I, I got a long way to go. I don't, know if, I don't know how much time I have left, but I got a long way to go. So thank you so much for pointing that out, for, for sharing your, your tremendous miracle of a story. And just, you know, it, it's such an inspiration in this program to hear such strong recovery. We, I need it. I, we all need it. And we can pass it on. That's really what I'm grateful, most grateful for, is that we, we can pass it on. So thanks again, Dan, with that RPS. Thank you, Betty. Okay, so and now we are going to stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording? <laughs>